they're a different tier now. I think he gets to drop his nuts a little bit more where a couple of years ago, Florida State couldn't do that necessarily. But if you're looking at this 2023 season, if you're looking at TV ratings, FSU versus LSU is going to do silly, idiotic numbers. Florida State versus Clemson this year is going to do idiotic numbers. Florida State versus Miami always does idiotic numbers. Florida State versus Clemson potentially in the ACC championship is going to do crazy numbers. And a lot of that has to do with the brand and the magnitude of the fan base and brand that is Florida State football. So now Alfred gets to add that into the premise of fighting for an ACC championship, getting to the college football playoff. He, he's got a lot more that he can bring to the table than maybe what he had a couple years ago. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub, in the house. You know, we're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I can wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson. Here the Spear presented to you by NoGaming.com. We are here live on a wonderful and big-time Wednesday evening. Florida State having a bigger Wednesday than the three of us after Mike Norvell and the Florida State Seminoles, including Ron Dugans, get a big-time playmaker out of the transfer portal, someone that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, Keon Coleman from Michigan State. We are going to jump into that discussion in just a few. We've got quite a bit more on the docket this evening to go over. We're going to talk some Destin Hill on the roster. Jalen Key picks Alabama over Florida State. We're going to talk some ACC news. A lot of chatter going on the last couple of days during the spring meetings. We've got Ashlyn Barker picking Florida State, a JUCO safety got a few nfl news we've got some basketball news everything so we've got a wide range of talk topics to go over this evening and discussions gentlemen with me i've got austin Vizi, our lead basketball writer at nolgivney.com and down below is dustin lewis our editor-in-chief gentlemen this has been a pretty damn fun offseason i've got to say but how are we doing guys not too bad i mean man that florida state offensive attack right now looking pretty deadly as we approach the summer i'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more in a couple minutes but i mean you've just got playmakers at every position of that offense now it's been a crazy day like we're going to talk about here in a minute this offense is insane if this offense doesn't average 35 40 points a game something's gone wrong honestly yeah something bad has happened if that average of points isn't pretty high for the 2023 season for Mike Norvell before we get started make sure you guys are tuned in to us on YouTube hit the like button drop some comments if you guys want us to go over any kind of topics that you're bringing into the chat we're also on iTunes Google Play Spotify make sure you subscribe so then you get notified every time we go live and also share our podcast also out to our audio distribution uh, channels. So we're everywhere at the moment. But let's go and jump into some things. we got a lot to talk about this evening. Let's jump into Keon Coleman picking Florida State. He did this over Instagram Live just a couple of hours ago, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. He gets on Instagram Live. Just him. Takes about five minutes. He had about 2,500 people watching on that Instagram Live. Everybody from across the country tuning in. And eventually ends up picking Florida State. Seemed to be a Florida State versus Ole Miss battle at the end, Dustin. But throughout the IG Live, you know, getting to see a lot of the teammates, his future teammates in the comment, comments, including Trey Benson, Tatum Bethune, also Trey Benson joining the Instagram Live immediately after he announced the pick to Florida State. So seemed like from that visit that he had, in Tallahassee, I, I I feel I felt strongly after that visit, but just now seeing how many future teammates were in the comments, I feel like this was kind of in the works for a good long while. But Florida State gets a major 
major playmaker on their offense. Absolutely huge. And like you said, he was able to build some of these relationships a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, whenever he came to Tallahassee for an official visit, and after that he did decide to go through, check out Ole Miss, and has kind of been in decision mode you know, over the last week or so. And then today, you know, actually his birthday, I don't know if, if we mentioned that, but actually today is Keon Coleman's birthday and goes ahead and commits to Florida State over Ole Miss. I mean, man, this one is absolutely massive. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I thought Florida State kind of had the edge here whenever Keon entered the transfer portal and it was going to take something really big for another team to, you know, make a push that FSU couldn't kind of stomp out just because of the relationships that – He's got with Mike Norvell, David Johnson, Ron Dugans, dating all the way back to high school. You know, Florida State, they do have some strong Louisiana ties. They've got some guys from that state as well on the roster. So I think having all of that and then, you know, coupled with what FSU is doing on the NIL front as well, courtesy of the battles in, that's got to help out as well here. But, I mean, man, just a, a massive playmaker for Florida State. And, you know, you're looking at a guy who's six foot four, 215 pounds, an extremely – explosive athlete and you're adding him to this position room at Florida State that's already got Johnny Wilson who you know averaged 20 I believe 20.9 yards per catch last year along with Kentron Poitier who we really saw take it to the next level this spring another guy who averaged over 20 yards per catch for Florida State last season so I mean you're looking at six foot four six foot four and six foot seven a real three-headed giant out there on the outside for Florida State that's going to create some mismatch nightmares alongside with what they're going to be able to do in the slot and also at tight end with Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock. So it's it's looking really deadly for Florida State at the moment. Just to add to those heights, Jaheim Bell's 6'3", Kyle Morlock's 6'6", Deuce Spann is 6'4", Darian Williamson's 6'3". This is a huge receiver unit if you include those tight ends. Just an absolutely freakish wide receiver and tight end unit. It, it, you're looking at this team going, how are you going to defend it? If yeah. you decide to stop the run, you've got one-on-one options all over the outside. If you try to double-team some of those guys, then Benson and Jordan Travis are going to create with their legs. It's it's an insane offense. I feel bad for defenses that Florida State's going to have to face this season. And I, I look forward to it. It's it's one of the few times in the last decade we've been looking forward to a Florida State offense. And then you jump to the offensive line real quick, and they've got over 200 combined starts at the FBS level between them. I mean, we'll see how that starting five works out, but I mean, just at every position, you, you've got to be really excited for what Florida state's going to be able to do in 2023. And especially with what Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins did last year, the way they're, they're able to create mismatches. I mean, they're just going to, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think calling plays over there on that sideline. I, I have a, I have a kind of crazy question. Who do you think is the quote unquote worst position group right now on offense? Because no matter what, you're looking at a what bot like at at bare minimum top ten unit. No matter where yeah. you look, you got a top ten quarterback, you got a top ten running back room, arguably a top ten offensive line room, arguably a top ten tight end room, arguably a top five wide receiver room. I was gonna go, uh, you know, fullback <laughs> here, but DJ London scored a couple <laughs> touchdowns last yeah. year, so I can't even go fullback here. You know, I don't know. It's a great question. I, I don't think there is a bad position group i mean i mean uh, i don't know the thinnest outside of talent wise would obviously be jordan travis but because of jordan travis's talent wise it makes that room skyrocket you know going into this 2023 season but it just goes to show vz that's a good question it shows that this this team has weapons everywhere everywhere i mean with jaheem bell i mean Seems like Jaheim Bell, that was something massive that Florida State was able to add to this offense. And that's now kind of not overlooked whatsoever. But then you are able to make some other moves and you add in Keon Coleman just a little bit later. Like, you know, you're just adding some extra talent. I know Micah Pittman off back to the Pac 12. He leaves Lake McLean now at Penn State. So you would like to add in some extra experience in here. But this guy knows how to grab balls. He's absolutely reliable and and one-on-one matchups and when it comes down to big games so after what he did against Michigan this last year putting up some crazy numbers so just pair that up with like you were saying Dustin Johnny Wilson's ability was making some big catches down the field uh, and then Kentron Portier, Portier who has made some major strides 
and throughout his career and specifically this last spring blowing up and watching him in the spring showcase, seeing that develop onto the field, it's going to show on game fields coming this fall with Keon Coleman. Yeah, I mean, really, just when you have that much talent on the outside, how are defensive backfields going to be able to double-team these guys? If you've got Johnny Wilson on one side and Keon Coleman or Kentron on the other side, or maybe even some situations where you have all three of those guys on the field alongside maybe a Jaheim Bell. I mean, it's on paper. On paper. Warlock, who's huge as well. On paper, I mean, it it sounds unguardable. We'll, We'll see how it plays out whenever, you know, football is actually played. But this offense, and, you know, you've got to think, Florida State averaged over 400 yards of total offense a season ago, um, was one of the best in the country. And now it looks like they could take it up to maybe even another level in 2023. I'm just thinking red zone specifically. My goodness. Like, what? Yeah. Like, we saw what Minor Bell was able to do last year with some of his talent toying around with some of the defenses and we were in the press box covering most of these games looking at each other like that was a pretty damn play call right there so just adding some of these talented wide receivers also tight end with Jaheim Bell Kyle Morlock you already know what you got with your running back room you know experience wise out of your wide receiver room and you got a quarterback that continues to improve year by year uh, I, I really think Coleman it came down the quarterback play like we had discussed last week I'm sorry, but Ole Miss got what you got over there in that quarterback room, but compared to what Jordan Travis has been able to show, uh, it makes it pretty easy. You know, I thought it was pretty unique to hear Coleman also say on his IG Live, my home, I'll be in Tallahassee, my next home for like eight to nine months. You know, this is a money season for Coleman. This is something that he was is relying on himself to perform at a certain level to get himself to the next level into the NFL, and he thinks he can do that with Jordan Travis at the helm at quarterback. Which that's what we expected. We talked about it last week with his teammate going in the second round, and there was talk that Jaden Reed could have been a first-round pick with better quarterback play. Coleman was hearing that, and now he's joining a quarterback who very well, very well may be himself an NFL quarterback this time next season. And I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, you look at the connection that Jordan Travis was able to have with Johnny Wilson um, a season ago, you know, almost 1,000 yards there, and you're thinking that they're going to be even better, even better this upcoming season. Um, so, you know, I think Keon seeing that, he's seeing what Florida State has done with transfers lately, the way that this offense is trending. And like you both have said, the quarterback play as well. You know, Jordan Travis, and I've, I've talked about before, but it seems like every year, you know, he finds a way to continue to improve, continue to get better, you know, no matter what it is. And I think, you know, we're going to see him at his best yet in 2023. And having him as one of the top five, top three quarterbacks in the country entering the 2023 season, that's something that's very attractive for Florida State, especially when you're looking at these top offensive players on the transfer market. So, yeah, I mean, even when Keon was here on his visit in Tallahassee, you know, he was able to spend some time with Jordan Travis, and I think that ultimately paid off in the end. And, you know, he's seeing the way that he can come in here and have a really big impact and then go, you know, top three round in the draft. You know, I'm sure he's thinking first round, but we'll see how it works out. He's obviously going to be making a big impact. One last thing on Keon from me. Uh Funny little quote here, uh, talking right after he committed. There's Colorado comments all throughout the Instagram live. That's just how it's going to be from <laughs> here on out with commitment videos or lives going on with Florida State in the mix. But his quote said, ain't no Colorado. I'm in Tallahassee, FSU. I'm with the Seminoles. So going off of a track from a well-known Florida State uh, rap song that's uh, been going pretty viral and trendy around Florida State and Tallahassee and Trey Benson joining him right after saying, you know, it's it's go time. You know, this is a big time year for this program and they're, by, they're, they're all in. I think this team is definitely fully bought in, but being able to grab these transfers and also getting them to uh, buy into this system and this program and the process that Minervell is building in Tallahassee is, is, is gigantic, but to have these ties, like you were saying earlier to Louisiana and the coaching staff and the recruitment from earlier on during his high school days, it just all added together and pipelined him to uh, end up picking Florida state in the end, in my opinion. Let's uh let's jump into some more. We'll definitely talk some more Keon Coleman and you know how that might affect Florida State's 
continued improvement in that wide receiver room uh, as we go throughout the offseason and we start talking some depth chart and yada, yada, yada. But a uh, major, major big day for Florida State grabbing uh, Coleman. Uh, let's jump into uh, Destin Hill real quick before we go to Jalen Key. Let's jump. Let's talk some Destin Hill. I mean, he's our guy, Tommy, he it. out there <laughs> Friday from 10 a.m. I felt so bad for him. Tommy was out there waiting from 10 a.m. till about like 536, something like that, until Destin Hill finally arrived into Tallahassee. He was greeted by David Johnson, Florida State's running backs coach, obviously close ties there in Louisiana, like we were just talking about a few minutes ago. But then also it was great. This was a phenomenal shot that Tommy was able to grab of Grady Vance just full on hug, you know, those guys, those two guys love each other. You know, greedy was getting asked about Destin Hill. I'm sure every single day on social media, or if he was out anywhere, like where's Destin, is he coming? So just for them to have that moment and now for them to be together, uh, I think believe now going to be rooming together this upcoming season. It just, it was a really cool moment. And then also yesterday, Destin Hill officially on Florida state's roster wearing number seven, and coming in at 195 pounds, six foot, it's it's finally happened. It's actually real. I didn't get to see him, Dustin. You didn't get to see him with your real eyes. So we'll see if we still fully believe it. But the roster is practically all I really needed to know, and we're there. Dustin Hill is officially a Florida State Seminole. Did we ever really think we would see the day? I mean, <laughs> no, man. This is really no. one of those. <clears throat> this is really one of those improbable scenarios you don't see this very often where you know a guy doesn't make it originally and then he doesn't make it again and again and then you know we're over over 24 months now since he signed his letter of intent to play football at Florida State so I think it's just amazing the way that this has kind of unfolded and worked out over the last two plus years and I mentioned it last week but it really just says a lot I think for Florida State and also for Destin Hill to keep that loyalty with one another and kind of stick through it through this process to eventually get him to Tallahassee to uh, see what he can be as a college football player. Because I mean, man, he was a, he was a fantastic um, prep athlete out there in, in Louisiana, a top, a top 150 player, you know, someone that absolutely killed it as an outside receiver, winning those one-on-one matchups and contested catches and has killer speed to boot. I mean, a verified four, three, two, two, two. We'll see if he's still got those kind of wheels, on him now, but I will say, you know, you go look at those videos, those pictures coming out of him. He looks like he's in really good shape coming into Florida State. I was surprised, honestly, whenever it came out on the roster that he was only 195 pounds because he looked a little bit bigger than that to me. So, I mean, and you also, we heard from Mike Norvell speak about it, I believe, yesterday at the spring meetings, uh, talked about Destin Hill a little bit, said that he's been putting in work, you know, outside during outside of this time when he hasn't been able to uh, be with the program and is really excited to see what he's going to be able to bring to the field and mention that, you know, how talented he, how talented he was back in high school. Norvell said that he's been in contact with people around Destin and also in contact with his high school head coach a little bit. So it sounds like they've been pretty connected during this process. And I mean, man, just really excited to get the ball rolling, see what he's all about. It's going to be really interesting to see if they ever give an exact reason why, it was delayed. I'm not saying we ever need it. I'm just gonna. I'm just saying it's gonna be interesting to see if it comes out. I, I still can't believe he's on the roster and that he's in Tallahassee doing photo shoots. Like Dustin said, he looks like he's in great shape. We'll see what happens when he's on a practice field. Um, but just this wide receiver room just keeps getting scarier by the by the week. It seems, and, and now with the top end experience talent that you have, you now have such a great underlying young talent that can get the experience, get the knowledge they need in the system. This room is insane. Absolutely insane. Stack top top to bottom. Yeah, I gotta give my shout out to the to Ron Dugans, man. Like two years ago, we were putting I, I need, Yeah, I need together. I need to eat my crow. I'm sorry, Ron Dugans. I'm sorry. <laughs> give this man some respect. He's one of my most favorite guys to talk to whenever we have our lunch luncheons and stuff with the media. He he's just a down to earth guy, loves his family, loves his players, and just to see him be able to turn around. I guess you could say the image of him since the early parts of his career with Florida state and what this has turned out to be. 
got to give credit to this man. This is just phenomenal. And what they did last year and what he did in the transfer portal and the improvement we saw in the wide receiver room, mm-hmm. it is it, it is so cool to see. And, you know, giving him everything, all the all the praise he, he deserves, man, it, it's massive. It's another incredible story throughout this whole process. You know, a guy who played wide receiver at Florida State, won a national championship at Florida State, came back. Obviously, he's gotten some heat over the past couple of years. But like you said, the improvement that we saw on the field from the wide receivers last year was second to none over the last four or five years at Florida State. And then you think about what he was able to do on the recruiting trail, getting guys like Hakeem Williams, Bandravius Jacobs um, into the fold. You know, he's doing a really good job as of right – or he's doing a really good job right now. And you look at the 2024 class as well. They've got those four blue-chip wide receivers committed. And, you know, I think you've got to be really excited uh, for the future of this wide receiver room under Ron Dugans. And, I mean, man, you know, the, these guys, they all play really hard for him for – hard for him. And that says a lot, I feel like, about the bond that he's been able to create with these players. And it's going to be really fun to uh, continue to watch. I gave him so much crap last year after – We all did. After, after he didn't land a single receiver in the high school Jeez. class. And we're like, man, what 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 we got going on here? Not one single freshman wide receiver out of how many ever high school receivers there are out there. The transfers come in, they compete, they do a great job. Like you said, you're bringing in Hakeem Williams, you're bringing in Van Dravis Jacobs, and you're set up for the 2024 class. Like I said, I'll eat my crow. Mm. Spoon feed it to me if you have to. I, I cannot believe the turnaround we've seen in that room. We all deserve it. But also, I mean, credit to him for, you know, picking up on both ends and really showing the trajectory that Florida State is on. Let's jump into a guy that ends up picking Alabama over Florida State in the safety room, UAB transfer, Jalen Key. We had been talking about this recruitment for the last couple of weeks after he visited the same weekend that Keon Coleman did, but ends up picking Alabama in the Crimson Tide and, and Nick Saban. Florida State looking desperately here and, you know, trying to build some depth, but, you know, got to have some guys there with some experience to add into that room because right now you got Akeem Dent. Uh, and you got Shaheen Brown. And after that, there's not a ton of experience inside Adam Fuller's uh, system on the defensive side. So that's one thing that we have been discussing this entire offseason. But Florida State, probably your bigger need outside of Coleman. Coleman was a one. A need is is, is key here. And we talked about in the production meeting, Dustin. How do you think this affects Florida State? And, you know, how do you think this recruitment went down on missing with key? It's a really tough loss uh, for Florida State, especially when you kind of look at the ties that Jalen Key had to uh, F- had to FSU. You know, being local to the area from Quincy, um, growing up a, fr- a friend of Darrell Jackson, having um, he was coached by Corey Fuller at the prep level. So I mean, some real ties to the area. You know, a guy that grew up a fan of Florida State, and they were able to bring him in for an official visit. I mean, it it all went really well. It sounded like. Florida State was able to pitch him the playing time that he wanted and talked about how he would fit into the defense. But, you know, we talked about it before. He had that he had that first unofficial visit to Alabama, and then after visiting FSU, decided to return to Tuscaloosa on an official visit. And to me, that's really kind of when my panic meter started jumping up a little bit, you know, because why, why would he go back to Alabama for a second visit unless he was extremely interested and winding up there? And, you know, this is also a guy who currently – or before transferring to Alabama was also already playing in that state over at UAB. I mean, really a close, a close move over there to the Crimson Tide. And I mean, you know, frankly, Alabama is still one of the top programs in the sport with Nick Saban, the guys getting drafted every year. They've had nine safeties selected since 2015 and I believe three in this past draft. So, I mean, you know, he's a guy that's entering his final year of college eligibility, <clears throat> trying to get to, the NFL level, and I think he sees that path at Alabama maybe a little bit more than he does at Florida State, and I, I believe that's ultimately what it came down to. But, yeah, definitely disappointing. It's one you would have loved to see, and it sucks that it didn't happen. Florida State's going to have to find a new target. I, I know they just signed a Juco safety that we'll talk about here in a second, but they've got to find some experience on that back end. The safeties are by far the weakest position group on this team overall and they've got to do something to address that with one of these last couple of scholarships that they've got mm-hmm. again just 
it's a, it's a concern. Definitely, if you know, if Florida State wasn't going for a run here, okay, cool. Maybe you could do some position changes, but there's not really one that you want to do with the rest of your defensive back room. Yeah, you can play around with some some younger players, but those are your younger players. You got to have guys that have been in the system that have playing experience behind Adam Fuller's defense to not cause loud explosive plays. That was something Florida State was able to do a good job of last year, and a lot of that went to your Jamie Robinson, who's now with the Carolina Panthers. He was reliable. He knew where he needed to be, and he'd come down in the run game, and he'd be in the right spots. But now you're relying on a guy that's still raw with Shaheen Brown and Akeem Dent, who you don't know if he can stay fully healthy throughout a season. And last year it told us that. And so Florida State's got to find an answer here or, you know, make some moves. I'm interested to see what they'll end up doing but you know we talked in the production meeting i don't see a lot of players moving back there to the safety position you can maybe toy around and you'd have to see what jerry and jones would think of it but that's someone that's been in the system that could potentially move in, in, into that role but you know you don't necessarily want to do that so you're still playing the waiting game on who could, could become available to grab and, and the transfer portal i believe it's something to worry about i mean there's just not a lot of options out there uh, when you're looking at safeties in the transfer portal. I, I can't recall the kid's name, but probably the best one is the guy um, from Louisiana. But he just doesn't fit whatever she likes to do on defense, you know, with these long and lengthy defensive backs, only about five foot nine. Whereas you look at this Juco transfer that we're going to talk a little bit more about in a second, but Ashlyn Barker, who uh, recently committed to Florida State, coming off an official visit, uh, about – almost six foot three and 200 pounds. I mean, Florida state, they really have a type that they're looking for in that defensive backfield. I don't think that they're going to settle for anything less. They're not going to waste a scholarship just to waste a scholarship. They're going to make sure that they br they're bringing in a guy that can fit into the system and make an impact, especially when you're looking that they're probably down to two, three spots at this point. We'll have to go back through those scholarship numbers, but I mean, scholarships are at a premium right now and, that safety position is also at a premium in the transfer portal. There's just not a ton of talented guys at it for whatever reason. But, you know, we'll see if someone does hop in. I mean, that's pretty much what you've got to be hoping for at this point. I say we transition over to Barker. You were just talking about him, Dustin, a Juco product, picking Florida State Seminoles, and is going to be heading to Tallahassee. Uh, he's coming from – Iowa Western uh, Community College, you know, like we were just talking about, you know, yeah, maybe uh, a little bit ahead of some of those youngsters that are in the in the backfield that are still learning. But, you know, it's nothing pivotal or not a, a game changer. Or like, okay, I feel really reliable like where I was last year. Okay, Jarquez McLellan's in there. I didn't see like a drop off. You know, that's one thing that you liked about Jarquez because he could jump in and he'd be a good sub in addition and he'd be in the right spots for the most part. But uh, what are your thoughts on this pickup, D. Lou? I know that we were able to grab an interview with him. Yeah, this is really, in my opinion, an upside take. I mean, this is a guy who you're looking at coming out of uh, Iowa Western, like you mentioned, Logan, a very good JUCO, also a program that Florida State has some connections to. So, um, recently, defensive coordinator Adam Fuller was able to go up there, um, visit them, watch a practice. And that was actually the first time that he had saw Ashlyn Barker in person, you know, ended up speaking to him a little bit and then it ended up um, extending the scholarship offer. I mean, from there, Florida State really worked to uh, get this official visit. And we're actually, you know, he was scheduled to go to Oregon State this upcoming uh, weekend. But Florida State, with what they were able to do during the visit, got him to go ahead lock it down, pull the trigger, and commit to FSU. believe he's set to enroll within the next couple of days for the summer semester. But, you know, ended up choosing FSU over Oregon State and also had a official visit to Ball State um, back earlier this year as well. But, yeah, really an upside take. Um, he redshirted this past season at Iowa Western, so he's going to have four years to uh, play for at Florida State. But like I mentioned before, it really fits the mold of what they do in that defensive back room. Uh, a long and lengthy prospect, a guy that has a um, a long wingspan, you know, probably just a little bit under six foot three. You know, he said that he was uh, six foot two and some quarters and also around 200 pounds. But just, you know, whenever you look at him, he kind of reminds me a little bit of KJ Kirkland. You know, you think of the true freshman safety 
another guy that has that long and athletic build. He, he's got a similar build to him, maybe a little bit more mature, you know, and not a ton of film out on him since he redshirted this past season. But, I mean, just looking at his practice film that he has up and also some film from back in his high school days. I mean, a guy who's very physical comes down in the running game and takes good angles and, we got to think that's something that Florida State really needs with the loss of Jamie Robinson. We'll see ultimately how big of a role he ends up playing in 2023, but he's got the potential there. And also someone with uh, solid ball skills as well. But like I said before, I think Florida State, they're going to continue to scour the transfer portal. I mean, you would love to find someone that has some legitimate college experience coming in because like we've said, Akeem Denton and Shaheem Brown are – the only two safeties right now that have gotten snaps on Florida State's roster. We'll see if maybe someone from that cornerback room shifts to the safety room or, you know, they do some cross training. I think I think ultimately, if you're not able to get someone out of the transfer portal, this is going to be a, a by committee thing with you probably cross training multiple guys that are at cornerback right now and just kind of fitting them in in, in different situations throughout the game. But I mean, yeah, it's it's something to be concerned about when you look at the rest of the defense. But Ashlyn Barker coming in, I think you've got to be excited about the potential that that he has coming forward. I think he's anything, if he's anything more than a special teams guy, I think I'd be kind of surprised. But that frame, like you mentioned, that, that's something to really be excited about and maybe be something down the road. But this season, if he's can, if he's if he's impacting too much of the game, that back of the defense is going to be, be it's going to be a concern. Mm-hmm. Florida State's got to find some more depth at safety in the transfer portal. They do. So I'm sure we'll continue to discuss that throughout the rest of the offseason. One thing, too, I wanted to bring up, we put out a piece earlier with all the spring meetings happening, something we're continuing to keep an eye on, and hopefully we'll hear some news soon, is Daryl Jackson and the waiver process and you know getting that from the NCAA. Minervell commented on this situation. He said, we've had good conversation, just making sure as you go through the waiver process, sometimes it's back and forth, making sure you're providing as much information. There's been good back and forth and providing all the questions that the NCA would have. I appreciate Daryl and the family and being able to help with that. So that's just kind of what we've been working through. Hopefully it will be something that we'll know before we get too far into the summer. That's been important. We do not we do have a sense of urgency, and I think the NCAA understands that. So it's a work in process, just like Coach is saying here. But Daryl Jackson would be a big-time pivotal factor for Florida State on that defensive line. You're adding that with Braden Fisk. You already know what you've got with Fabian Lovett. You've got Farmer back after that little thingy thing that happened a couple of weeks ago, whatever you want to call it. But this defensive line would be a step forward for sure after what we saw in the spring and his disruption at the offensive line, D. Lou. It would be really important. We already saw Florida State get some good news from the NCAA whenever uh, Demetri Emanuel was awarded that seventh year of eligibility a couple of weeks ago towards the end of Florida State's spring practices. So it was huge to get him back, a guy who started off last season, has the potential to start this season. And I think you're looking at the same kind of thing when you're talking about Darrell Jackson. If he is able to get this waiver of eligibility, I mean, you're talking about a guy who might break into that starting lineup for Florida State. But, I mean, at worst is – your third or maybe fourth guy in the rotation. Either way, if he's eligible to play, he's someone that's going to soak up snaps for Florida State and was really impressive, dominant at times uh, during spring practice. You know, we're just going to have to see how it plays out. Obviously, I mean, day by day, you're getting closer to fall camp. Florida State would love to have an answer sooner rather than later so they can kind of go ahead and begin planning that uh, rotation for the 2023 season. But, you know, um, Jackson obviously began his career at Maryland, then decided to transfer to Miami for, uh, last season, and then now is moving on to Florida State, his third program in three years. And that's what required, that's, that's what means, that's why he needs that eligibility or that waiver to be approved by the NCAA to be eligible for this upcoming season for Florida State. I mean, he does have an argument. You know, we've talked about he's got the the sick relative and now coming back home to Florida State. It makes sense why he would be given a waiver by the NCAA. But, I mean, at the same time, we've also seen how the governing body of college sports has uh, hurt FSU in the past. You think of Baba Miller. So, we ultimately, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. I would think Florida State, you know, ideally you're going to get a decision here in the next four to six weeks. You certainly want something on the table before you get into fall camp. 
I, I bet Florida State's thinking if Meach gets that, or since he got that seventh year, that Jackson should get this waiver. Mm-hmm. But the NCAA never makes sense. They're never consistent. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, the situations are, are just different. You know, Emmanuel was cost a season due to an injury, yeah. whereas Jackson yeah. now has been at three programs in three years. But, I mean, he is transferring closer to home to to be with the sick relative who uh, we believe to to be his mother. But, so, I mean, you would think he has a case, but you just never know what these type of things. I would believe – I believe if, you know, that waiver does end up being de- denied, Florida State's definitely – gonna appeal it and do all they can to get him on the field in 2023 because i mean this is just someone who has a massive amount of talent and i mean it's been being tapped year by year but i mean you really saw the potential this spring especially when you're talking about playing him alongside other dominant forces like fabian lovett um, Braden fisk you've got dennis briggs in there as well logan mentioned joshua farmer uh, daniel lyons malcolm ray i mean the list kind of goes on there for Florida State in the interior. So if he is involved, it would definitely be in Florida State's best interest. There's a, lot, there's a lot of stuff going on this week. It is nonstop. I'm like seeing things that we didn't even talk about in our production meeting. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about one uh, real quick, but uh, Florida State, I want to jump into this before we go through some of our quick hitters is the ACC situation and the whole grant of rights and all that kind of discussion going on. It was first reported a couple of days ago from Brett McMurphy from the Action Network that there was a seven-team Magnificent Seven. Don't say whatever it. This no. is. Don't say it. Don't it's, say that. It's the Magnific- Magnificent no, Seven. No. <laughs> it's lame. It's a lame name. Whoever came I don't up even with know who idiot. came up with that. Yeah, whoever came up with it's an idiot. The okay. worst name they could have possibly chosen. Uh, yeah, but including with these teams is Florida State, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia, Virginia Tech. And I think there was something yesterday about Louisville wanting to get in the mix and whatever. But what they're practically doing is examining the grant of rights, which Florida State is screwed in that they signed a long, long time ago that has tied them and kept them anchored to the Atlantic Coast Conference. A lot of this is going into media rights and shared revenue from the ACC with the colleges. And uh, and we got some comments from Michael Alford on this, you know, really to me taking away the interview, it's coaches speak slash like athletic director speak. He said, we thoroughly enjoy being in this league. Uh, We're, we're very thrilled about being in this league and we want to stay. So, uh, you know, I'm not fully believing in that off of some things that we've heard over the last year or so and the pursuit on Florida State trying to find a way out of this and because of other conferences exploring grabbing this brand, this program onto their conference because of how large it is and the magnitude it brings Florida State's logo. It's it's massive, but uh, you know, with spring meetings going on and everything, you're going to have these discussions and whatnot. But I think with uh, an, an AD like Michael Alford, he, he's putting his feet on the ground and, and trying to move forward rather than just stay relaxed, which I think a lot of ACC teams have done uh, in the last decade. Alford now, where Florida State is, as where they are as a program, they're a different tier now. I think he gets to drop his nuts a little bit more where – a couple of years ago, Florida State couldn't do that necessarily. But if you're looking at this 2023 season, if you're looking at TV ratings, FSU versus LSU is going to do silly, idiotic numbers. Florida State versus Clemson this year is going to do idiotic numbers. Florida State versus Miami always does idiotic numbers. Florida State versus Clemson potential in the ACC championship is going to do crazy numbers. And a lot of that has to do with the brand and the magnitude of the fan base and brand that is Florida State football. So now Alfred gets to add that into the premise of fighting for an ACC championship, getting to the college football playoff. He, he's got a lot more that he can bring to the table than maybe what he had a couple of years ago. I don't think really there's a lot more that he could say. I mean, he's definitely got to be pretty careful about how he weaves this in the public eye. But the bigger thing to me is just him bringing attention to the issues that Florida State kind of sees in the conference, which obviously is the TV deal that could limit them moving forward compared to the deals being signed by the SEC and Big Ten, but also bringing attention to the the revenue sharing that Florida State is trying to get the ACC 
to uh, kind of vote into place here, the the unequal revenue sharing where it would maybe be based on performance a little bit more than it has in the past and teams that do better would get more money than teams that aren't as uh, successful. But, I mean, really I'm interested, and, I mean, we're probably not going to hear a ton of it, but, I mean, what's going on behind these closed doors when you've got the AC commissioner in there, all of the athletic directors in these four- and five-hour-long meetings um, it's going to be intriguing to see if there's any type of changes made uh, to that contract whenever these meetings wrap up or, or in the near future. I've been really, really interested in this. It's it's just an intriguing idea to me how, you know, we, we've seen a couple schools move conferences, but we've got what's essentially a 50-50 split in the conference of teams that are at least thinking of challenging the group of rights and the other half of them are like, eh, no, I think we're kind of good where we are. I don't think there's going to be any resolution this year. I think it's going to be one of those that teams just kind of bicker amongst themselves for a little bit until they can really challenge that, that grant of rights contract. Cause as of right now, it, it just seems to be locked tight. You know, Florida state's had how many ever lawyers go through it. Clemson's had how many ever lawyers go through it. UNC, NC state, whoever else you want to include in that group of seven. That's, that's, that's at least examined this so far. And that's not even talking about if Notre Dame's looked at this. It's going to be really interesting to see what comes of it. But like I said, I don't think anything's going to come of it for at least a year. You know, if it ends up being that unequal revenue sharing, I think that'd be ideal for the Florida States and Clemson's of the world. But then, you know, Boston College and Wake Forest are kind of left in the dust a little bit. So we'll see what ends up happening. I'm really intrigued by it. I really am. I think yeah, I'm I'm not believing in anything happening anytime soon, but just to see the progression of of some of these universities it's going to take a lot of them just being on the same page with a few things, but it, it certainly feels like the ACC is where we do this every off season, but it, it continues to grow stronger that the ACC is kind of being put in a tough situation and it could, could unravel, but you still have the GOR that's holding things tight and they're trying to find ways to break through this. Alfred has put a team behind this to go in and, and figure out different ways and intricacies to, exit out of it exit at an earlier time what the cost would be how does that work if another conference is coming and interested on bringing the university over to them so it's so much and yeah so i have media rights and revenue shares it's a i'm just glad it's not my job but alfred seems to be pretty pretty aggressive and aggro in this department and that's the thing like you mentioned you know with, with other conferences getting involved as as of right now, we don't think any of these schools would have a landing spot right now. They haven't been offered a position in the SEC or in the Big Ten or the Big 12 or wherever. So if somehow the ACC just goes into a, a nuclear disaster tomorrow, a lot of these teams are just going to be left up in the air w- without a place to land. And that's something that a lot of people aren't considering as well. We, you'd assume Florida State and Clemson would get snatched up pretty quickly. Miami as well. After that, it, it gets kind of barren. Does a new Big East form, does the Big 12 become like a – kind of mediocre 16 teams it, it, it like i said it's really interesting to watch and see what comes of it i do think it's to the best interest of florida state the other teams in the acc to keep putting the public eye on this keep putting pressure on the conference to renegotiate this deal because i mean the facts of the matter is they're all getting screwed as far as money and it's just going to continue to uh, get worse as the years go on. I believe every other conference is going to go back to the table and renegotiate their TV rights again before Florida State and, and the ACC even do so in uh, 2036. So, I mean, there's still, you know, time on the table for Florida State. And, of course, they want to break that grant of rights um, agreement. I'm sure they're, they're looking at all options that they can. But I, I think you've got to keep the public eye on it for as long as you can. Keep the pressure on the ACC to uh, step up and do something about this because we, I mean, we do know that, you know, other conferences have looked at Florida state. We even put the report out on our website last year that Florida state had had some conversations with the SEC and uh, big 10. So, I mean, we'll just kind of see how this progresses from here, but I mean, there's definitely some pushback on both sides, it would seem, but also a lot of posturing at the moment because there's not really a lot that these programs can do unless they do figure out a way to get out of that GOR there's definitely no reason for when Texas and Oklahoma, when they go to the SEC, there's no reason the Big 12 should still be making more TV money than the ACC, who has Florida State, Clemson, Miami, Carolina, 
if you want to include basketball, Duke, that has just so many huge national brands. Whereas in the Big 12, you have Kansas and basketball. In football, your biggest brand is West Virginia, Baylor, TCU, Houston, mm. when they eventually join. Like, that's that's just not even comparable. And they'll be making more money in the ACC. That's why, that's why the ACC and Jim Phillips and whoever else has to get this figured out. Yep, I agree. There's a comment on here from William. Just curious about the SEC and uh, would it would Florida State even have a guaranteed home and there? And I'm, yeah, the SEC. I mean, from things that we've heard, I mean, it's. I think it's almost obvious that the SEC would be. They would be stupid not to be <laughs> after a Florida State, a Miami, Clemson, but more specifically, Florida State just makes sense. It does. Um, and Florida State does throughout their last couple of years. And then now looking on to the future, they're going to be facing a lot of SEC teams and their coming schedules. So a lot of things just make sense for it. And the geographically travel to games, yada, yada, yada. Like it all, it does make sense. For, but yeah, absolutely. I think the SEC and along with the Big Ten, I mean, both team, both conferences would love to add the Florida State football brand end of the end of there. They would love it. Be great competition. You know that you have travel. Florida State travels well. Everything. I could go on and on and on and on about it. But absolutely, SEC would have their arms wide open. But at the same time, nothing is guaranteed. All it takes is for three or four athletic directors to go, eh, no, and kind of SOL. <laughs> uh, let's jump into something real quick. Uh, it has to do with an SEC team. Florida State's going to be facing LSU on prime time. I don't think this was any kind of shocker to anybody, but this is going to be on 730 on ABC, September 3rd. Brian Kelly is going to get his rematch against Mike Norvell after a thriller that we were all in attendance for after Shaheen Brown blocked that kick and Florida State won in New Orleans was one of the highest rated games uh, in, the, in the country last year was stupid fun to cover but looking forward to having that a little bit closer to home just driving down a few hours to orlando be back there where we were not too long ago at the cheese bowl where florida state faced oklahoma and another thriller there at the end but specifically this one should be a top 10 matchup in orlando gentlemen but this is gonna be primetime abc no shocker whatsoever it's going to be exciting. I mean, especially after the way this one went down to the wire a year ago. I think Florida State still kicking themselves, thinking, hey, we should have probably handled LSU, not allowed that comeback, and it shouldn't have even come down to a blocked extra point. But, I mean, regardless, you know, both of these teams expected to be in the top 15, maybe even the top 10 going, to this, going into this game, going to be one of the the best games of that uh, opening weekend. And, you know, there was some Louisiana natives on Florida State's roster that got to win over there in New Orleans. Now you've got a couple of other ones and uh, Keon Coleman and Destin Hill joining the fold as well. So, I mean, you know, it just makes all those little storylines just make uh, this one for a really interesting affair. And, I mean, we'll see if Florida State with the improved talent and the experience on both sides of the ball, if they're able to pull out another victory against the Tigers. I'm still mad this wasn't a home-and-home home series. I know I said this last year. I'm still mad about it. This should have been a home-and-home. Home. Less money. I don't care. It would have been more fun. I love New Orleans. I don't love Orlando. <laughs> I don't love when Logan's muted. muted. I was muted. I was muted. I've, I've kind of had my had my times in Orlando. I think we've – this this will be it, hopefully, for a while. Hopefully, we don't have to be there too much more but i'm i agree with you that, that my whole i would argue that any day of the week uh, give me all home and home games let's go travel that's, that's to some I, other I, I can't wait for georgia and alabama just for those reasons seeing a game yeah. between the hedges in athens going to tuscaloosa i can't wait for that that's gonna yep. be a lot of fun exactly but going to orlando who cares i loved having the oklahoma series that's when i was really young but having Oklahoma come to Doe Campbell stadium. And that was yeah. the loudest I've ever seen Doe Campbell stadium since. So like, it's just, it's just how college football should be, but I understand the money situation. Let's figure out a way. Maybe you can be a sponsor at the frigging game. I don't know. There's gotta be an easier way for it, but you know, it's good money for sure. And Florida state and LSU both are going to get paid well, but I just love, we're going to get a nice prime time kickoff seven. We're going to have a late one. We'll have a late one, but 
uh, it's worth it whenever you have the thrill and the magnitude of what this game is going to be. It is going to be a really fun time and expecting fully of college game day to be there. Um, let's jump into a, like a few quick hitters here. We'll get some basketball too. Jack West Patrick, former Florida State running back, is getting a chance with the Denver Broncos along with Mario Edwards Jr. actually signing a one-year deal with the Seattle Seahawks is Florida State DEU. I mean, goodness, they're about to be whenever Jared Verse jumps into a top 15 pick potentially in the 2024 NFL draft. But, uh, you know, we had Jack West Patrick on our show a couple years ago and, you know, just a good dude, guy that likes to work and get after it. And he's getting a really cool opportunity with the Denver Broncos. It seems like they really like they like what they can get out of him and we'll see if he's able to stick around over there up in Denver. Definitely be uh keep an eye on it. Obviously coming off his second stint in the XFL, uh, finished second in the league in rushing and scored five touchdowns uh, while suiting up for San Antonio Four of those came in his final three games. I mean, really heating up there down the stretch and, you know, went out there to uh, Denver on a tryout basis for rookie minicamp last week, did enough, showed enough to uh, Sean Payton and the new coaching staff over there to bring him in for a further look. So, I mean, we'll see how it works out. A guy that does have some NFL experience, you know, has played for um, the Bengals, the 49ers, I believe he was with the Panthers for a little bit, and also the Baltimore Ravens. So, I mean, we'll see if this is maybe a sticking point for Patrick Denver making a lot of changes in the backfield. And then Mario Edwards, now, I was actually reading an interview um, from just the Seattle the Seattle Seahawks official team site or, or something. But, um, you know, they were talking about Pete Carroll really excited to add Edwards to a defensive line that struggled uh, a lot last season. Um, he's coming in after playing for Tennessee last year, being a, a part-time starter on the defensive end. So, I mean, we'll see if both these guys who have bounced around a little bit, if they're able to find a little bit more – stability in their NFL careers starting in training camp. I'm not even playing with the DEU thing. If you think about it, we sometimes forget Brian Burns, Jermaine Johnson, Josh Sweat, who had a great year for the Eagles last season. Uh, now you got Mario Edwards Jr. over there. Um, and and kind of DeMarcus Walker, who's an inside-outside yeah. guy. Yep, who had a nice season and, and just got paid too. And then you're going to add in Jared Verse. And then potentially Pat Payne. I mean, you're, you're, yeah. Okay. I like it. Also, where's Dalvin Cook going, VZ? What are we predicting here? Because it definitely ain't the can Vikings. We, can, can we not do this right now, man? Um, I'm already upset about it. Man. Like, I just bought his signed jersey. I just, I just hunted up over there. Mm. So it's That's, your fault. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Dalvin wants his money. Can't blame the man. I, I don't blame him, but like, you can keep him, please. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's like he's gone. Like it, it's it's a hundred percent happening. They replaced him on the on the Twitter banner with Alexander Madison, who's oh, no. was his backup, but will be the starter once Dalvin gets traded. It's it's gonna happen after June first because they go from saving, I think it's they go from saving seven million on a trade to they'd save like eleven or twelve million. Might as well just wait those two weeks. I'd be surprised if they got anything more than a fourth-round pick. But, you know, it sucks. Mm. Toughies, toughies. A couple teams here that are the highest odds to grab him are just a few. we got the New England Patriots. I've heard the Dallas Cowboys as well, which would be really interesting to watch their teaming up with Pollard. That would be a nasty running back room with Dak Prescott at quarterback. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, and then also the Houston Texans. Buffalo Bills is also one that has been up there as well, but I'm just interested to see what they can do and move some things around to be able to grab them. But that would be that would be really nice. Imagine that teaming up with his brother, his little brother, who's also with the Buffalo Bills, mm -hmm. with James Cook. That would be yeah, that, that would be craziness. The Dolphins make a ton of sense. The Bills make a ton of sense. I don't know if the Dolphins will since they just drafted a Kane from Texas A&M. Like I said, the, the Bills make a lot of sense. Pair him with his, with his little brother. I think that'd be pretty cool to see. I would 
And like you said, I don't really know the full picture, but I would really like to see the Dolphins. I know they weren't mentioned on those odds, <clears throat> on those odds, but I mean, just going back home, getting a chance to play with Jalen Ramsey. You know, obviously the last time they suited up together, they uh, won a national championship. And well, also, Dalvin, Dalvin didn't. No, yeah, I guess you're right. Whoops, goofy. Too many years ago, but close enough. But anyway, close enough. <laughs> See, look, a couple of years ago, two, two very enough. successful guys in Tallahassee that um, starred with one another, and then suiting up with Josh McDaniels. I'm kind of excited to see what he's building down there in Miami if Tua can stay healthy, and you know, Dalvin would just add to that um, offensive attack. We'll see. We should be knowing after May, correct, VZ? Or am I wrong on that? Would you feel say? like it would be after May? After like June first, like I said, June first. Yeah. Yep. After May. Look at that. Right on it. Right on it. Sure. Uh, yeah. Speaking of right on it, uh, Nahim McLeod has had the Syracuse <laughs> baby. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I've I've got a couple comments that I'm gonna keep to myself on this one. Um, <laughs> I I cannot believe how excited Syracuse fans have been. Um, I even talked about it with one of our SI friends up there. Like I, what, what, what do y'all see that I didn't see for sixty something games? And he's and he's like, well, you know, we Syracuse fans are used to six ten, one hundred eighty pounds, and now you got a guy that's seven foot four, two fifty. And the last time Syracuse fans saw him play was Florida State against Syracuse. His only good game of the season where he had 16 points, eight rebounds, and two blocks. Listen, man, I guess. J- just know when uh, when Florida State travels up to upper New York, they'll do all right. Yeah. Just kind of a just kind of an in theory thing. You know, when you're when you're thinking about Nahima Cloud, you're like seven foot four, two hundred and sixty pounds. Great feet. That's exciting. No, he's he's got really good feet for his size. I, I'm not going to lie to lie to you. My compliments will stop there. <laughs> kind of interesting, though. I mean, now um, Naheem joining Matthew Cleveland as a second player to transfer from Florida State to uh, stick around in the ACC. So, I mean, definitely going to be a couple of games on the calendar, four of them, right, to uh, circle next year. Uh, yeah, I'd have to go back and look this. I know they play Syracuse in Syracuse, but they might play twice. I'd have to double check. Um, it's it's been interesting how many ACC to ACC transfers there's been this year. We saw Joe Girard go from Syracuse to Clemson. There's a couple guys. That, one guy went from NC State to Clemson. And one guy went from Clemson to NC State. They basically traded each other. It, it's it's been weird to, to see, honestly. I don't know what what this what's going on in this conference, and it's one of the things that they were talking about you know, at these ACC spring meetings in Amelia Island was how can we improve the basketball image? Because, you know, I've mentioned it a lot these last couple of years. The ACC's sucked, you know, and, and you have your you have your outsiders like like last season where I think there was three ACC teams in the Elite Eight, not this past season, but the season before it with Miami, Duke, and Carolina. Then you have Miami in the Final Four this year. But if we're talking top to bottom, the ACC's sucked, especially those – but those last eight to nine teams, it hasn't been as strong as it's been, you know, in the middle 2010s and even before that. That's something the ACC has got to get figured out. And hopefully we see something like that going forward. Coach Hamilton mentioned a little bit about it uh, in an interview with our good friend, Ari Masudi, um, just about, you know, we feel like we got dealt a bad hand with injuries and I didn't do a good enough job of thinking forward on how we could progress this roster. And, that he's optimistic about this roster and that there may be one more addition. Who knows what that's going to be considering the transfer window just closed uh, last Thursday. It's going to be interesting to see. It's a fun, fun off season for Florida state football and even more fun one for Florida state basketball, Leonard Hamilton, everybody. At least I I ain't got to watch number 24 anymore. That's a win. That's Mm. a win. Hmm. That's mm-hmm. how you know something good is going to happen for Florida State, though, right? It's like on the football field. <laughs> We're still bringing in that narrative, huh? I- I'm hoping for another 2016 where the football team's really good. They made the Orange Bowl that year, won the Orange Bowl. That was the beginning of Florida State basketball on the uprise. They were a three-seed in the NCAA tournament. 
why can't we have one of and those? Then, and then Florida State football the next year, DeAndre Francois snaps yeah. his leg, yeah. and then so, it all downfalls from there. So and, fl- and, fl- and basketball made an elite eight. <laughs> I don't know if Florida State fans are really want to do yeah, that. Yeah, no. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just not saying, sure so yet. Just get, give us more 2016s. Give us more 2012s. We can live with those. Those are those are nice years. Yeah, all around for sports. Yeah, I'll take that. Take it. Dustin's like has like a mix of disgust in his eyes. I don't know what he's feeling, but just, I'm just conflicted. It's like you can't have one without the other. So, I mean, you can, you can. It's just it's rare. It's that's that's <laughs> what it comes down to. <laughs> can't get them all. Can't win them all. But it seems like there's some bad juju. Whenever one team does good, the other one's got to do bad. I don't know what it is. Something about Tallahassee, man. Something about Tallahassee. But, yeah, I think that's going to wrap up this week's show. We went through quite a bit and a good amount of time, though. That was that was pretty good. Proud of us. But that was a good episode. A lot covered in this one. Florida State lands Keon Coleman. A big-time grab for what should be a – Really fun offense to watch in 2023. He said he's expecting to hopefully be in Tallahassee by sometime next week while he was talking to Trey Benson on the IG Live after he committed. So Keon Coleman should be in Tallahassee pretty darn soon. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us this evening. Every week, I feel like there's nothing much going on, but then out of nowhere, like Tuesday, Wednesday, we just get swarmed with content. So we're going to keep on seeing you guys on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, I'd appreciate it if you smack that like button before we head out of here. We do truly appreciate that. It helps to get out to more Florida State fans to hang out with us every Wednesday evening. But appreciate y'all a ton hanging out with us. We're one week closer to Florida State's kickoff and primetime against LSU. Brian Kelly. All right, gentlemen, see you guys next week, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday at 7. Peace. Yeah,